All This is the Big Friendly Swim Podcast, and I'm the big and friendly host, and today we're sitting down with world champion, former Georgia Bulldog, and former Texas Longhorn, Dakota Luther. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being on. We're going we're gonna to jump right into things. I want to start all the way back in 2017 when you first made that world championship team. kind of came as a surprise, like this teenager making the world's team in a fairly difficult event. Can you talk about that summer at, and qualifying for world championships at such a young age and how that summer set you up for future success in your opinion? Yeah, um, going into that meet, I really, making worlds wasn't really on my radar. I wanted to make the national team and um, in order to do that, you have to be top six in the event at the end of the year. So. I I was really just going for making that A final and, um, you know, getting up there and racing the big dogs. But I I think my coach, Brendan Hansen at the time, had a little bit of an inkling that I did have a chance to make that team. It was a little bit of a weaker event that year. So the guards were changing and it like the second spot was really open to whoever was willing to get up there and race at the right time in the right moment. Um, but I think, I definitely think that was a really, like, pivotal point for me in my swimming career. It really just, like, showed me that I was a lot better than, like, I even thought, and how much confidence can affect, like, your training, your racing, and, um, so many aspects of the sport, and I just, I got to be around all those big names on a daily basis, and, talked to Katie Ledecky and Lily King and Caleb Dressel, and it was just um, a dream come true. I think especially at such a young age, you're probably surrounded by a lot of really, like, pivotal veterans in, in our sport. Like, yeah, like Matt Grievers, Katie Ledecky, Caleb Dressel, all these people are probably good role models, especially for, like, your first international team trip. Yeah, so, it was really cool. <laughs> you good. So... So in 2022, you made your first world championship team in about five and a half years, and you won a gold medal. You, I mean, I don't think it was necessarily a surprise to you, but it kind of was like a surprise victory, despite being the top qualifier in the final. But you won gold in the two-fly. And I'm wondering if you can talk about like that meet as a whole and your mindset going into the race, and then when you came out of prelims as top qualifier, whether it was on your mind of like, all right, I could take this whole thing home. Yeah, it, that meet was really fun just because short course meters is not something I get to do very much. And I didn't have a lot of expectations for it time-wise. I had kind of done some research and written out some splits and kind of pieced together what I thought a good swim would be or what I thought a winning time would be. And I did end up being really close to those times that I'd written down. But... It was fun to just like get up there and race, like no pressure, no expectations. Um, nobody thought I was gonna medal anyways. So I was just um, having fun with it. I also feel like I had kind of something to prove to myself and to other people that I did still belong at that level. Um, you know, COVID was weird for everybody and I just hadn't really touched a lot of my best times for a while, but I was like getting back into things and um, back kind of like at the top of my game again. 
So speaking of getting back into things and getting back to the top of your game, this summer you went a lifetime best in the two fly and actually ended up being the second fastest American in the war- in the country this year. And this was kind of a, a thing that I saw a lot on like the international stage and mainly on mainly for the US was a lot of people struggled between nationals to worlds or nationals to the like the US championships at the end of the summer. I'm wondering if you can talk about what preparation you've done to try to peak at the right time, having gone, having been third at trials, but then swam a time at the U.S. Championships at the end of July or early August that would have put you fourth in the world. Yeah, um, for me, it's been a lot about the last year we were kind of playing with what my race strategy would be for the tuner fly. I had kind of approached it as what I like to call loaf and go, which is like a hundred easy speed, just kind of like, um, feel good, get into the race. And then I really hit the third 50 hard and finish the best I can. But at trials, we were really trying to see if I could push the front half more and still hang on. And we found out that I really couldn't. And, um, it was a really good learning experience. I still want like a decent time, but we've definitely focused on embracing how I swim the tuner fly the best and making my training around that. And I think like part of peaking at the right time is figuring out what you need to do. And um, for me, a lot of it's going to be getting enough long course in. I think that's a hard time, like a hard thing to do in the U.S. when there's so much yards going on and so many pros swimming at um, college programs is finding just enough time to do enough long course where you feel confident and in shape enough to finish those races. You know, you talk about that race plan of like the loaf and go and like just the easy speed in that first 100. And it almost reminds me of Camille Adams, how she would swim her two fly. Because at trials in like 2016, she was like eighth at the hundred, and then out of nowhere is just first at the 150 or second or third or something like that, and then wins the whole thing. So it's it's a race strategy that has seen a lot of success in 200s in general. Like more recently, Matt Fallon does a similar strategy, where he's like seventh or eighth at the 50 and the hundred, and then just plows home, and in the last 100. So it's definitely a strategy that's seen a lot of success for people. So having now finished your collegiate eligibility, both at Georgia and at Texas, what are your plans for yourself after your time in swimming is concluded? Uh, That's a hard question. I'm still working on it. Um, It was kind of, I don't know, not like stressing me out, but definitely something that I was looking at and trying to like figure out, but I think I'm going to wait until after trials to try and you know like solidify a plan um i'm not totally sure i want to be done swimming so it'll be um depend on how trials go and like how i'm feeling at that moment however i do think coaching is probably ultimately my calling um but i also really love baseball and i'd really like to pursue maybe working in that world My undergrad degree at Georgia was communications, and then I'm getting my master's in sport management. So maybe more of like the organization communications 
media side of stuff if I don't immediately go into coaching. I'm I'm actually a communications major as well with like a concentration in media production. Okay. Yeah. So. It's very um versatile. Yeah, there's a lot you can do. There's a lot of different like worlds you can go into. So talking about Georgia and Texas and that transition, tell me about like the transition to Texas, both on an academic and a swimming level. And then what's been different about how you've been training over the past two or so years and how those differences have manifested in your, in your swimming? Um, it wasn't really a huge transition. I'm originally from Austin. So being around my family more was really nice for them to help me kind of navigate, um, finishing undergrad and starting my master's program. I originally had to take four classes over the summer of 2022 online to finish my undergrad degree. And then I think I got like a week off and then I started my master's and it's been an all online program, which has been really, really nice and giving me more freedom with my swimming. I have one more class left, but Almost on done. Academics, yes, I know. So <laughs> close on an academic standpoint, the programs are very similar. They're both like really writing based which has been nice. Um, Swimming-wise, the training is a little different. Georgia was probably a little more um, yardage-based, um, and I was obviously swimming with men there, too. So I just feel like I've been really lucky to see like the best of both worlds of a combined program and a split program, and I really liked both of them, and I think they've been um, the right fit for me at each point in my life. Um, and I'm really grateful for like the background that I got at Georgia. We did a lot of like aerobic work. I was training a lot more freestyle at the time, but I think that's served me really well to work on the details more at Texas and focus on like my race plan and, um, my stroke and those kind of aspects. You know, especially at Georgia, probably at the time you were there, there's a lot of people training similar events as you probably were training with like Chase Kalish, Jay Litherlin, like I think Olivia Smoligo was there too. A lot of a lot of talent in that time in that era at Georgia that probably boosted the whole training program. Definitely. So having won several international medals and made several international teams. I'm curious if you could talk about what race on the world stage or, or multiple races has been the most critical to your development as an athlete. Yeah, I was thinking about this one on my flight today and it's crazy because I've made a lot of like different kind of trips and each medals meant a lot to me at the time because I felt like they were like victories in each chapter of my life. But I think um, my races at 2017 Worlds meant a lot. I was like the worst seated American going in, which really freaked me out. I think I was seated like 20-something, not even supposed to make a semifinal. And as a 17-year-old little girl, I didn't want to be the only one that didn't. Um, and that atmosphere in Hungary was just so crazy. I had never been that nervous in my entire life. I think I was in Katinka's heat too in prelims, but it was just such a great learning experience. And um, I 
pretty sure, like at least the prelim sum, I was right on what I went to make the team, which was a big confidence boost that I could still go perform at that level and, um, you know, just hold my own to some degree. And then the short course world's gold too. Um, that was a very like personal victory, I think for me. Um, it helped my confidence in yard swimming as well because it was short course meters. And then I just felt like it was a great um, momentum shift heading into um, 2023. You know, especially at that short course worlds meet, like there was a, almost not, I don't want to say a drought, but the U.S. probably wasn't having as great of a meet as people wanted them to. So that was probably a big confidence booster for the team as a whole that like you stepped up and won that gold medal against a fairly loaded field and a lot of established names. Like even Haley Flickner being in that final was probably the favorite and just stepped up and won gold against everybody. So growing up in a proven elite athletic family, your mom being an Olympic medalist herself, did you ever feel any pressure on your like as a at a young age? to perform, were you ever pushed into doing sports or on the flip side, like what kind of support system was there and how did that manifest itself in like your swimming career? Yeah, I don't, I don't think I would call it pressure. Um, or I guess I never viewed it as that. My mom was definitely extremely, uh, versatile and established in the swimming world. Like, she, she made two Olympic teams, and the first one, she swam 200 IM, and then she swam the 100 and 200 back, and it's just crazy to think that, like, you can be that good to make the team in so many events at different periods in your life, and um, I think, like, her medals and her swimming has been more, like, an inspiration for me, like, um, showing me that, you know, like, dreams do happen, and, like, normal people can do great things and she steered me away from swimming for the most part we me and both my younger brothers had to learn how to swim and we did summer league but outside of that it was kind of up to us to find like our passion and if it wasn't going to be sports that was fine but yeah like effort and um just pursuing something with everything was just expected of us and in turn like excellence has been so normal in my family um both my younger brothers have been extremely successful as well and it's just really cool to get to watch them do that and we're all kind of like a part of each other's careers you know i think that's something that growing up with parents who were also athletes regardless of if they made an Olympic team or were like the one of the greatest swimmers in the world, even if they just swam on a club level. It's something that parents who are athletes are uniquely equipped to do, I think, is provide that support system, but not pressure your kids into trying to do anything. Like let them make their own decisions and let them figure out their own path and then be there to support them when they make that decision. I think that's something that like parents who were athletes are uniquely equipped to do. Yeah. So, a little bit of a fun question. I want to talk about your favorite set and your least favorite set. This can be, like, from when you were, like, a kid, or this can be, like, a recent set, and then how both sets affected, like, 
your overall development and like your have and whether or not you've kept doing them if they, if they were recent yeah um i don't know if i have like a specific least favorite one but at georgia every monday afternoon we would do threshold freestyle which was like colors so like the white pink red based on i think it's supposed to be the color of your face but it's kind of like heart rate based and it would range from probably like 6,000 to 9,000 in practice. And I just knew going in that it, like I would fade so hard during the practice. And it would stress me out. It's like starting Sunday night and then I'd show up to the practice and, like this big panic. So that was like for a long time my least favorite sets. Um, <laughs> It, I just, like, I can't think of any specific ones. I think, like, the bases were always, like, 105, you know, for yards. Like, nothing crazy, but you were expected to be going pretty sub two minutes always. Um, but some of my favorite ones and, like, ones that I feel like I've excelled in have come a lot more recently. Um, like... I think in October or late September, I did three long course 200 flies with a suit on, like 15 minutes apart, and I was 210, 210, 211, which was a great confidence boost leading to Pan Ams, and I, like, it was outside, and I just felt like um, a lot of the elements kind of affected me, like there's wind out there, and... I did it by myself and, you know, it was just like grinding away. Um, uh, another one, Mitch, the assistant coach at Texas has really been working with me on doing more hundreds that simulate like the last hundred of my 200. And this summer I did eight 100s on 230 long course with the suit on, just like seeing what I can hold. And I probably averaged like 102s on them and I just felt so that was from the time from world champ trials like the three or four weeks from then to Irvine so I just felt like I hit my second gear during that time and I had all this confidence to feel like I could really finish my race and have a great tuner fly and I definitely know that that set is in the near future for me to do again <laughs> It seems like it paid off for you uh, in Irvine last summer. Because I, I remember reading specifically, like, in the article where they, like, posted about you going to best time, that, like, you finished that race really, really well. So that set probably played a huge part in that. Yeah. Three that 200 flies in, like, 40 minutes? <laughs> yeah. The third one was brutal. <laughs> as, a, as a distance swimmer, my coach would sometimes put me in the two fly just to just to score some points and like i would rather swim the mile <laughs> oh gosh not me <laughs> <laughs> all right well dakota thank you so much for being on this was great um at the end of every interview that i do i always give the person i'm speaking to time to either like if they've got sponsorships promote that about almost every coach i've talked to has promoted a football team so that seems to be a running theme but it's essentially just time for you to speak your mind and talk about anything you want. Gosh, I, I don't know. Um, 
I'm not sure I have that much that I'm like super passionate about at the moment. Um, my dad and my brother are watching the Cowboys game right now, though. So <laughs> maybe, you maybe keep that football the Cowboys thing going. Today. Yeah. Um, but I'm excited to watch NFL football in the next few weeks, you know, as a sport management major. And um, I really appreciate you having me on. And yeah, thanks for being on. really good. Thanks. I, I...